As we come to the end of the lectionary year, we start to look at Jesus talking about the end times and the future. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for spiritual growth in people's lives. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities and for the instruction you give us from the Bible. Lord, I thank you that you know the people who are hearing this message. You know what we need to hear and you know where we are in our struggles and joy and you love us. I ask these words speak life into all of us today. Amen. Now often we prefer Jesus as a great moral teacher. I quite like the things that Jesus says about love, compassion and it's good. But today Jesus has gone apocalyptic. And when Jesus goes apocalyptic, he's not so much talking about the future and predicting what's going to happen in the future, but he's talking about the precariousness of today, just how fragile our present actually is. And it's a very relevant reading after the events in Paris. Now, of many ideas that are in this text, this morning we're going to look at three of the big themes that are there. One of them is, one, we can talk to God about anything and we can ask him for more details. God is eternal. Number two, God is eternal and gives his answers in an eternal context. And three, God sets up reminders for us that he is Lord. So let's look at the scripture. We look at verse 1 to 4. We have the disciples walking out of the temple saying, Teacher, teacher, what magnificent buildings. What magnificent stones. And it's almost for me like you just having a very friendly, casual conversation. You know, there's a thing here that we can talk to Jesus about anything. It's almost like walking out of our church to go and go, look, the magnificent Centerpoint Tower. Look at the, uh, these cars parked out here. It's, it's just an encouragement to talk to Jesus about anything. Now, the historian Josephus recorded that the stones that uh, the disciples were talking about were over 10 metres long. So they were massive stones, you know, like a big rock, 10 metres long, 3 metres high. These things are huge. It is pretty impressive that you can even move them to somewhere and get them where you want them to be. So it is, it is an uh, impressive thing. But in this conversation, the stones can represent a massive achievement or a massive problem. You, know, you might say to God, look at how big my problem is my financial problems, my health, marriage problems, addictions, depressions. And Jesus responds with, yes, look at how big they are, but they're going to be completely demolished, not one stone on top of another. Now, after the conversation started, we get this in verse 3 and 4, the disciples just said, hmm, need more details. They went to Jesus later when it was quieter, and said, God, what did you mean by this? Tell us exactly when this is going to happen. And it's always good for us to be encouraged that after we start a prayer with God, God shows us something in scripture, the conversation doesn't end. It's not like we're going to say to God, God, help me with X, and God says, here's your answer, Y, and on you go. The conversation continues. And we will go to God and ask for more info, and God gives us more and then we can share that with our friends and build one another up. 
Verse 5. I love this line. Don't be misled. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. When it comes to money, most of us are pretty good at handling cash. Uh, Australian cash is a CSIRO invention, our plastic money. I know what it feels like. I actually don't know what counterfeit money feels like. I haven't had any given to me. But if somebody tried to give me a photocopy of a $10 note that they'd made on a piece of Glad wrap, I think I could tell the difference. Not because I'd practiced handling Glad wrap, but I know what real money feels like. God is saying the same idea. Here we've got Jesus saying the same idea. Don't be deceived. Get to know the real me. Jesus is saying, get to know me, read the Bible, pray, come to church, and don't be deceived. Because as you know real Christians, and you know really what the word says, if something is deceptive, if somebody's promising that the end of the world's going to happen next week, you can pretty much say, I think you're deceiving me. You're a dodgy $10 bill. You don't feel like you're completely real. Now verse 7 and 8, we move along. It says, when you hear of wars, rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Don't panic. Such things must happen. Now for me, I have worked in a television newsroom for more than 30 years. My father also worked in the newspaper business for over 40 years. Now in all that time, we've been covering earthquakes, famines, wars. Uh, We've been telling rumours of wars. a comprehensive coverage of yesterday's uh, terrorist attack. And the response is, Jesus says, don't be alarmed, don't panic. There's this sense that Jesus is in control. And I feel when Jesus says, don't be alarmed, he's really saying to us, I know you are alarmed. I know you are panicking. You know, when something dreadful happens beside us, our immediate reaction is just, oh, this isn't good. This is not good. And yet, no matter how secure or permanent life seems, nothing in our life is permanent except our life with God. So now comes to our response. After reading this, reading that scripture, you can easily get into short-term thinking. We can start to get into the end is near, especially after yesterday. We can just respond in that by going, yes, the end is definitely near. In the book, The Last Days Are Here Again, Kyle describes 2,000 years of people predicting Armageddon. During World War I and World War II, they were very fertile grounds for people working out that it was definitely Armageddon. There were antichrist everywhere and the end was definitely near. But there's been ends predicted right through history. And again, this is quite normal. And look, with this short-term thinking that the end is right near, there are people all over telling me that uh, things like gay marriage is going to be the end of society as we know it. Uh, Internet data retention is going to be the end of freedom. Uh, Mining the Great Barrier Reef, uh, signs that we as a community are finished. It's, you know, the end is just around the corner. There's this real short-term thinking that can just get into our, our mind. Now, another response is to go the opposite way and go to long-term thinking. Now, there's a group in the US called the Long Now Foundation. And they are building a clock 
that is going to last 10,000 years. Now they're building this clock inside a mountain. It's in very solid granite. It's made of components that uh, self-lubricate and are of such high quality steels that they, they won't rust and uh, it will last the distance. It's meant to be a tourist attraction. The idea is that people will come in and uh, you know, wind it a little bit because it has very heavy weights to drive it and it needs a few people to wind it. They're referring already to this year as 0-2015. They need to have a five-digit calendar because they're so long now. They want to be prepared for the Y10K virus and not be knocked out. It's fascinating the thought of it though. Like I've seen 3,000-year-old statues. Uh, I saw um, the Rosetta Stone. The things that are absolutely ancient and it's quite interesting that people in America now are building stuff with the idea that in 3,000 years from now, people will be able to see a clock that was built 3,000 years ago and it's still working. So there's people, the idea is this group are trying to get a conversation going that there is a long-term future. So you've got this both short-term and long-term. But when I look to the Bible, God's truth is eternal. Now this is something that is quite difficult for us to understand. When I think of eternity, I kind of get it, but to be honest, I kind of don't. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13:12 that he sees into a glass dimly. In other words, he could kind of make out a distorted image in the mirror, a bit like uh, being at Luna Park in the dark with your sunglasses on with those distorted mirrors and trying to make sense of something on the other side of a room. Arthur Stace, a man in the 50s and 60s, wrote in chalk all over Sydney uh, the word eternity. To just encourage people to think of eternal thinking. Do you remember the, uh, we had it on the Harbour Bridge at, as a, uh, at one of the New Year's Eves? So I'm going to have a go at thinking about eternity using medical imaging and geometry. Now, most of us are familiar with an ultrasound uh, picture. Ultrasound is used by uh, medical professionals and it's used by a whole lot of other people, but medical people use it to get a two-dimensional image inside your body. So if I was to get an ultrasound wand and take a picture of my arm with, a, with the wand, you end up getting a two-dimensional slice. So we see in your arm, you would see two circles representing bones in your wrist and a few different coloured things that would be the muscles and blood and whatever. Now, depending on the diagnosis you're trying to do and what you're trying to do, you would move the wand around to get just the right angle. Now there's an infinite a number of ways you could move it around to get, to get a picture. So there would be hundreds and hundreds of pictures that you could take with, the, with an ultrasound and if you had it in moving time you could, you could go even further. Now just park that thought for a moment. Now we go on to geometry. Imagine we lived in a two-dimensional world. So we're living in a, we're completely flat and somebody starts describing 3D. But imagine in our two-dimensional world, 
everything is totally flat and you can't move from one spot to it. You can't, if you're moving, you can't move past somebody, you've got to move around them. The idea, you can only stay on this flat plane to move anywhere. And someone starts describing a 3D human being and they say, well, have a look at these ultrasounds. This is a 2D person. It would take a lot of imagination to imagine what a human being would look like on the outside by seeing an amount of these slides. And then somebody said, you say, well, how many of these slides do I need to see? And the person responds, well, an infinite amount. It's really hard to get, would be, it would take an enormous imagination. And people in the 2D world would come up with all kinds of ways to describe a 3D person. And one person might see the 3D person and give the view of uh, some of the stories we have of heaven written in Revelation. Um, Paul said the glass darkly. People would be speaking about eternity in, in ways that we'd just be getting snippets of it, or the, the 3D person. It would just be very hard to understand it from that two-dimensional perspective. So when it comes to scripture, we've got Jesus talking about eternal, a, an eternal idea and he is answering when the disciples ask about the temple, when we speak to Jesus about our, our problems uh, or our accomplishments, Jesus is responding with an eternal perspective. So this apocalyptic view is just an eternal view. It's not like we can use this to predict the future. So on the 15th of November, 2015, as we look at scripture, remember we can talk to God about anything and everything. God responds to us through scripture with an eternal perspective. All of our problems are going to be demolished. Not one problem will be left standing. The present is fragile. When we see major news events like Paris or others, don't panic. It's a time to spend time with God. Now, God is more than the short term and the long term. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Our God is the God of the now and forever. Amen. Now the final blessing. Our God is faithful with hope for tomorrow. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the now and forever. Go in peace and love and serve the Lord.